What are you listening to for the next half hour? Think again, my friend. All right, no sharks. It's Think Again, my friend. It's like outsider art, but for radio quiz shows. I'm your host, Mike Sugarbaker. Uh, will the uh, guests on the show... You have to do it again. We, we have... can tell you're mad. You have to do it again. You have to, <laughs> you have to go get love from your soul and then put it out there. Because right now we, know, we can tell. Chocolate. We can tell what happened <laughs> to the disc. Oh. <laughs> sharks. No. Knock on wood. No. <laughs> no sharks. No sharks. <laughs> Think again, my friend. It's a quiz show radio happening that is now. I'm your host, Mike Sugarbaker. It freaks him out. Nope. Not Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it does now. Uh, will the panelists introduce themselves starting to my left? Uh, my name is Brendan Adkins, and a minute ago you introduced me as a guest instead of a panelist, and I was deeply upset to be downgraded. We're making so many parallel realities here. It's just... <laughs> Sorry, go on. My name is Kristen McCurdy, and I actually consider myself an insider artist. <laughs> I'm Tom Henderson, and this is all research for uh, my, my television reboot of NBC's 1983 series, Manimal. I'm calling it Manorol. Mm. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to go with, like, Plantimal. No, 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 that's, there's or, a, there is, there is a British series. Mant. No, the, you're thinking of the British series, Vegetabloke. <laughs> <laughs> I really it's amazing that we already started recording this once and yet I, that wasn't a setup <laughs> that was not something we planned our topic this episode is animals, vegetables, minerals because it's been a little while uh, I wanted us to have just a laser sharp focus vegetable <laughs> and you can tell that we're taking the test seriously um yeah, no, no proper nouns, no abstractions, no mineraloids such as fossil fuels. Uh, fuck that. Um, really, this is an excuse to talk about cute animals for the most part. Since I'm being a hard ass about things, I'm gonna tell people what order to ask questions in, like I always do. That's not new. Why did I think that was new? I feel like you've done it before. Yeah, I have. Brandon, That's your job. <laughs> it is. Someone's got to do it. Brandon, why don't you ask the first question? All right. So uh, my first question has to do with dolphins and sex. And it is, uh, how long is the average dolphin penis? Ooh! Ooh! In, in meters. Mm. <clears throat> <laughs> you have trouble with unit conversion? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> unit conversion? <laughs> you have to answer first, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, can I answer with a question? Yes. Meters? Meters. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, that's actually my answer. <laughs> um, I'm going go with half a meter. Half a meter. I'm going to say 1.8. Is it closest without going over? If you know what I mean. <laughs> Mike, I it's 1.8. <laughs> what? How did you know that? I don't know. <laughs> what unholy knowledge? Sounds like you can get an overrender. <laughs> Sorry. Sharks. That joke doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> for what it's worth, dolphins will mate with sharks for fun. What and is by, what is that worth, Brendan? By mate with, I mean use as sex toys. 
That's why the shelfins are not ruling the, the wave. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing. It's smart, it's cuddly, and it'll kill you. And it would have, like, a, a cross-shaped tail. Yeah. <laughs> like a torpedo. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my God. This is probably already in development at Sci-Fi. <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kristen, why don't you take a shot? <clears throat> Kristen has actual index cards, I want to point I out. I have for index the cards. <laughs> Which of the following is not a real mineral? Is it A, Labradorite, B, Ice, C, Borax, or D, Sandstone? What do we mean by real? I mean, all of these things exist in the world. Well, pufferfish are the bongs of the sea. <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, borax borax comes from um, a big factory in Fresno, so that's not a real mineral. Uh, what kind of ice are we talking about? Water ice? <laughs> Other things can be ice. Man. Uh, I'm going to say ice. I'm going uh, with ice. I'll say sandstone because uh, that's silica, which is actually a mineral. Uh, the mm. answer is sandstone. Because what? sandstone is a rock. <laughs> uh, Emotionally all... and physically. <laughs> like, a, a, if someone came to me and said, you have to tell me what a mineral is, I would say, I don't know, like a rock? See, I didn't know either. But I got, what's that rock or mineral? The beginner's guide. And it, it did explain the difference between minerals and rocks. Oh, man. Rocks are defined in terms of how they are formed and their major major mineral components. Minerals are naturally occurring substances that blah, blah, blah. So most of Earth's rocks are composed of just a few minerals. So this is a really asshole question. I'm sorry. But Man. there, but ice, there's a <clears throat> mineral that's just called ice. Oh, but it's, it's not, not like water ice. ice? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like really pretty. It's like blue. What you're saying is that geologists don't have a lot of imagination. They've been they've been hitting the bongs of the sea, man. <laughs> who's who's the they've author of this the book? They've been hitting the pufferfish. What's that rock or mineral? Uh, Tom Jackson. Okay. He's a science writer based in the UK. All right. Oh, so British ice. <laughs> it's British ice, yeah. which is different. It's like metric right. ice. It's like unit conversion again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like what that. Well, we call ice. They call. Chill Kips. <laughs> John Burden Sanderson Haldane. His name is my name, too. <laughs> born 1892, died 1964, was a British geneticist and evolutionary biologist. And in a possibly apocryphal story, some theologians asked him, is there anything that we could learn about the creator from studying creation? And he is reported to have said, the creator, if he exists, has an inordinate fondness for blank. So your your job is to fill in the blank. Was it beetles, which are animals, milk vetches, which are plants, or feldspars, which are minerals, or possibly rocks? I have learned some disturbing new information. <laughs> I'm going to go with feldspars. Feldspars. Maybe with beetles, which are British. <laughs> but they're not like our beetles. No. <laughs> Kristen? 
Uh, they have long hair. Um, I'm going to go with feldspars because I don't remember the question. <laughs> feldspars are perhaps the most common mineral, but the answer is beetles. The creator, if he exists, has an inordinate fondness for beetles. There are 350,000 species of beetles described since 1758. Whoa. So of all insects, most of them are beetles, and of most animals, most are insects. He's also, he also said, just as a side, he said this other quote that I like a lot and never knew who said it. My own suspicion is that the universe is not only queerer than we suppose, but queerer than we can suppose. Yes. <laughs> it's a great quote. Uh, so, the Book of Miniature Horses. Yay! Is a book about which Brendan will always make that sound. That's correct. Uh, and now you you went to the library searching for books on miniature horses, or just ho- kind of crossing your fingers that you would find one, or like I, I want to know what your prior relationship to miniature horses is. Uh, it comes exclusively from an NBC Universal sitcom by the name of Parks and Recreation. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's that shallow. Yeah, but I fine. love little Sebastian and I always will. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. So speaking of little Sebastian, um, I'll tell you right now, his name does not uh, appear, at least in the index of uh, the book of Miniature Horses by Donna Campbell Smith. It's incomplete is what you're saying. Uh, it is incomplete, so that's an asterisk <laughs> on this question. But there are a number of named miniature horses in the book. These are not names of species. These are names of specific horses. Uh, I'm about to read you some. One of them is not real, or at least, per our asterisk, not in the book. Your choices are Sugar Dumpling, Toyland Macho Chips, (laughs) Gross Hill Panda Bear, Manhasset Fat Baby, and Rambo. I want to say Sugar Dumpling again. This is the funniest as an answer episode as an ever to us. I think <laughs> everyone else is confused as hell. <laughs> I think maybe there is I know everyone else. <laughs> I feel like I met Rambo. I think I may have met Rambo. I'm not sure. Rambo the little horse? I think there was a tiny, tiny horse. And I know that at one point I knew its name. But since then, I've put a bunch of other I facts in I mean, this sounds like the subject of a fever dream. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not saying that it was. I'm just saying, you I know. met a real tiny pony who may or may not have been Rambo. I think the fake one is Gross Hill Panda Bear. Okay. Which was a John Cusack vehicle in 1987. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, it sounds like a really, like, one of the randomly generated Wu-Tang names that that, that, that you know, like 15 right. years ago when right. the, the internet was doing that. Oh, a, dif- a, a different world we could have had where Donald Glover's rap name would instead be Gross Hill Panda Bear. <laughs> uh, Brenda, do you have a guess? Crunch Butt Steak. <laughs> okay, so the answer, uh, the fake one, so Sugar Dumpling is one of the first miniature horses that history records. Uh, Toyland Macho Chips is real. Gross Hill Panda Bear is real. I think it's a therapy animal. Uh, Rambo is real. I met him in that horse. <laughs> Can you pay the, does it wear a bandolier everywhere? No, it's just named Rambo. Uh, it's just another cute miniature horse. It did appear in a picture in the book. Um, Surrounded man, by the corpses of its enemies? The, the fake one is Manhasset Fat Baby. I was sure that was real. That does sound real. And that's that like a really racehorse real. name. Yeah. Sean Spicer was born in Manhasset, New York. Um, uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> 
some some racing miniature horse names include Texas Tango, Country Crystal, and Dancing Warrior. They seem to have the two word names, and then everybody else has a one or a three. I don't know. Why. They're all surprisingly badass for tiny horses. Kinda, yeah. I I was hoping to find details in this book about how exactly how tall you could be and ride a miniature horse. Oh. But it turns out adults ride them. They just make little kind of carriages. Mm. So it's not a situation where you start to sit down on the horse and the horse walks up from under you? No. <laughs> because your legs reach the ground? It's also not a hilarious situation where four-year-olds are clinging for their lives to racing horses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brendan, do you have another question? We should find some four-year-olds, though. <laughs> All right, I have a question that Tom has to answer last. When, <laughs> when you put a small breeding group of animals in a laboratory with an unlimited supply of food, the population starts small, then grows quickly, and begins to slow down and finally level off as the limits of space assert themselves. If you plot out a line graph of the population, this results in a particular kind of curve. What is the name for this curve? Is it assonant, sigmoid, confluent, Diangular or chunky? I'm going to say diangular. Assonant. I'm going to change my answer to chunky. Those are all three good guesses. Because okay. somebody needs to say chunky. Exactly, and I'm worried that Tom Walt. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could actually, I could get this one wrong. Because uh, it, it, the, the... We're all allowed to fail here. Not you have I not mean, under the I, there's special circumstances going on. Right? We're encouraged to fail. <laughs> I thought you were going to say logistic. You can definitely get this mm-hmm. wrong. That's all I'm saying. You have my permission. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, that does, that does make me feel better. It's described yeah. as an S-shaped curve. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say logistic because uh, the logistic equation, but when you lay it out like that, it would be the sigmoid. Is yes. my thinking? That's correct. Because it's shaped like a sigma. Yeah. Only it's not. It's shaped like no, an it's S. Shaped like an S. But a sigma <laughs> means S, even though it looks like an E. Which is why, if you use a sigma to use the letter E, it'll make my teeth hurt. Okay. Never I'm mind. just glad I got it right. Okay. That's <laughs> what matters to me. I'm happy. You're happy. <laughs> Tom gets the evening's first point. Yes. <laughs> He's going for the shutout. <laughs> All right. Who invented the Caesar salad? Was it A? Julius Caesar. B. Caesar Cardini, owner of Caesar's Restaurant in San Diego. C. Paul Maggiore, a partner of the Cardinis. D. Caesar's brother Alex. E. Tijuana architect Livio Saldini. Wait, was it Julius Caesar's brother Alex? <laughs> uh, uh, no, Caesar Cardini's okay. brother Alex. Yeah. I think. I know it had to do with Caesar Cardini's restaurant. Yeah, and I don't know how definite history can really be on this. Because I've only ever read books that couched all of this in legend and hearsay. Uh, I think it is the Paul guy. The Paul guy? His Paul name Maggiore? Is... Yes, thank you. Two follow-ups, one of which is that Mike has read multiple books about Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs> and the other of which is... Is this animal vegetable or... Okay, is this vegetable? It's vegetable, Technically yeah. a vegetable? Yeah, we're talking about salad here, man. <laughs> All right, it's the guy from Tijuana. It's... Wait, I didn't get to answer. You didn't get to answer, did Sigmoid. you? Sigmoid. No. <laughs> Maggiore. I think it was Maggiore. Paul Maggiore as well. All right. So the answer is nobody knows. <laughs> uh, uh. But uh, 
but two things. So all four of the people I named are real people who who were not Julius Caesar are real people who existed. Um, Hence animals who have their animals. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they they all have claimed at some point to be the inventor of the Caesar salad. Uh, I don't know what Lilo Livio Saldini had to do with um, with the Caesar's restaurant, but he had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. There were, they had one in San Diego and one in Tijuana. So, um, I did learn, however, that the Romans ate salads that were basically exactly the same as the salads that we eat. They were just like tossed greens with oil and vinegar and salt. Cool. Rip-offs. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Law and salad, and the idea a lot that, of it. The idea that salad could be anything else didn't come around until like a little over 100 years ago. And then that's when people started coming up with things like jello salad. Wow. Cobb salad. Yeah, and Cobb salad. And what else? Waldorf schools. Yeah. So, <clears throat> little salad history. <laughs> nice. Just to, to balance all the dolphin sex. <laughs> oh, there's more. <laughs> there's I so hope much so. more. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have no, <laughs> I'm entirely neutral on that topic. There is a mineral found in North America, variously called Fordite, motor agate, and Detroit shale. Mm. What is it, is my first question, and why does the earth no longer produce it, is my follow-up question. So, Fordite... Motor agate and Detroit shale. Uh, are these some kind of uh, motor oil uh, mineraloid solid? I'm not going to answer your question. You're answering my question. Uh, so you think that my answer motor to your question is is uh, are the it's like Jeopardy but like very very like imagine Alex Trebek just thinking out loud for half an hour mm. every night. Oh man, that's the most terrifying TV show you've ever proposed. <laughs> okay. I don't really want to know what goes on in Alex Trebek's mind. He's a weird it, dude. Yeah, but it's dark, dark shit. Yeah. I don't I think it's just like, where is my mustache? <laughs> and he just goes with it. For like 20 years. If I recall correctly, Fordite is a buildup of uh, chemicals, and I'm thinking maybe paint, but I might be wrong, that kind of uh, encrusts over itself until it forms irregular shapes like an agate or an opal. And and there was a follow-up question. Do you want to tackle that? The follow-up question being, why does the Earth no longer produce Fordite? Oh, because we've changed the composition of the chemicals we use in, in auto assembly. Kristen? Uh... I got distracted, and I'm thinking about Alex Trebek's mustache. <laughs> Where is my mustache is the name of Alex Trebek's new podcast. <laughs> it's in the top ten on iTunes. We just manifest it. I have proof I'm a mammal by Alex Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to answer the question, though, or should, you, do you, should, we, should we leave you alone with your thoughts? That was an answer. <laughs> I think that was... I, I don't know why we don't produce Fordite, but I bet it has something to do with Alex Trebek's mustache. And that's what my prestige serial podcast is going to be about, is finally making that connection definitive. Yeah, except you never actually answer it. I would never answer it. 
We'll let the listener decide. It turns out his mustache just wants to mind its own business. Sorry. (laughs) The answer is uh, Brendan has it. Uh, So it was what happened when uh, enamel paint would get uh, sprayed on a car and there'd be a bunch of overage and it would get stuck on whatever you paint a car on and then they would bake it and then they would do it again and then they would bake it and they would do it again maybe a hundred times. So there'd be all these layers of enamel paint. And now uh, we don't use hand spraying. Instead, uh, the, the... Cars are painted by an electrostatic process. So the, oh. the enamel essentially magnetizes to the surface of the car. There's no overage. Okay. No more Detroit agate. I used to know an, an auto painter worked at a Ford plant in Louisville, Kentucky. No kidding. Presumably he does something else now. Huh. <laughs> For sale, baby shoes. <laughs> Electrostatically painted. Exactly. <laughs> Be some fly-ass baby shoes. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, the common sea cucumber breathes through its asshole. It brings water in, and the respiratory organs uh, pull oxygen out and expel carbon dioxide and then expel the water. <laughs> what is the pearlfish's uh, relationship with the sea cucumber? It's another species called the pearlfish. It has a relationship with the sea cucumber uh, relevant to what I just said. What is it? Uh, it poops through its mouth. Okay. Kristen? I can't think of anything better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Not conceptually, but never mind. Um, The the creature that you mentioned, uh, it uh, it is a filter feeder that lives outside the asshole of a sea cucumber. Mm. And so the current that it uses in order to filter feed is produced by the breathing of the sea cucumber. That would be awesome. Uh, what it is not true. It it is not true. No. Um, the pearlfish is very tiny and, uh, it does, it's swimming around and feeding at night and then seeks shelter from the sun during the day. And what it does to do this is it it can detect, uh, it's like, it's incredibly good at at detecting the CO2, uh, expulsions, the CO2 rich expulsions of sea cucumbers. And they detect that and they use that ability to swim into the sea cucumber and hide in there, and then further snack on the sea cucumber's organs. And mm-hmm. some sea cucumber species uh, will then expel those organs just to get rid of the the uh, pearlfish. Whoa. I wish I could expel my organs whenever I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Especially if it was a means to get rid of something that was bothering you. Yeah. Like a conscience. Like if you had a bad temper and you were like, I will expel my spleen. That's right. right? <laughs> this, this information comes from Ellen Prager's book, Sex, Drugs, and Sea Slime. Um, awesome. It's her fault. <laughs> Brandon, well, I, we're on this, uh, I fear to ask, what else have you got? I'm on somewhat of a similar vein. Uh, there are two species of passerine bird, the honey guide and the greater honey guide. They've evolved a symbiotic behavior involving bounding into the air, flashing their white tail feathers, calling repeatedly and attracting attention to lead a predator toward a beehive. When the beehive, or when the predator splits open the beehive to get the honey, the bird gets to eat the larvae of the bees that are inside it. Mm. The honey guide performs this dance most often with a particular famous predator, the honey badger. Yeah. Is all of the above true or false? Oh, you're, you're, this is a bill of goods. Yeah. And we gotta buy it all or none of it. I don't buy it. I'll buy it. What the hell? 
Well, I think Kristen has some kind of market information. I'm moving on that. I'm buying it. <laughs> Most of the above is true. Mm. Yeah. The thing about honey badgers is a folktale uh, yep. that was commonly uh, purported to do this with honey badgers. In fact, it mostly does it with humans and baboons. Um, no biologists have ever witnessed this behavior being followed by a honey badger. How, how do they do this with humans? Like, how do I know what to listen for to find honey? Like, you see this bird jumping up and down, flashing its tail It's like, ah, ah! And then it kind of bounds away and, like, looks back at you like, are you following me, fucker? And if you follow it, which many tribes do, and this largely occurs oh, okay. in Africa, um, or many members of tribes uh, have learned to do, uh, then you will find a beehive and you can smash it open and get honey. It is also called the side quest bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got this weird question mark shape crest on top of its head. Um, I also I have a follow-up question real quick. Uh, which of the following, select all that are true, are other food sources for honey badgers? A. Gerbils. B. Cobras. C. Cheetahs. D. Human corpses. E. Tortoises. Are you done? Is there more? That's five. Okay. All of them. I'm going with all of them, except that I bet the gerbils aren't even on the continent. So that's the only reason that they don't eat them. Otherwise, all over it. I'm going to say only human corpses. (laughs) Would that it were true. (laughs) The only one they don't eat is cheetahs. Honey bears cannot catch cheetahs. Uh, The reason I mentioned cheetahs... You didn't specify the cheetah was alive. (laughs) Okay, possibly they do eat dead cheetahs. This was not covered by the text. Um, They do definitely dig up and eat human corpses... They have no problem uh, killing cobras, uh, highly poisonous animals. Gerbils do apparently exist no. somewhere within the feeding range of the honey badger, uh, and they have no problem cracking open tortoises. Uh, the reason I mentioned cheetahs is that there's a theory that the spot pattern on cheetah cubs, which is different from adults, evolved in order to trick their predators into thinking that they were honey badgers, which nobody wants to fuck with. Oh, oh wow. Nice. Nice. Oh, see, I knew that about cheetahs, too, but I just thought I'd go with it. <laughs> I was like, cheetahs, oh, that's bullshit. No, but probably there's some weird way. Yeah. I I, um, I feel responsible. I'm clinging to 1.8 meters. <laughs> that was perfect. That came out wrong. <laughs> uh, Kristen, do you have a question? Of course. Um... You don't sound very happy about it. <laughs> so, uh, by the middle of 2008... And my source for this question is a book that I read, well, didn't read, skimmed, uh, that was published in 2010. So presumably there are more now. But by the middle of 2008, there were two companies, at least, that would clone a customer's what for $100,000? Customer's meters. No. No? I'm guessing it's not. Painting style. <laughs> um, that would be some cool machine learning. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a horse. Brendan. Like a full-size horse? or? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. full-size horses cost a lot more than that, the good ones. Um, maybe the cloning is not very good. Yeah, maybe they maybe they come out miniature. <laughs> oh my god, we just cracked this wide open. <laughs> oh boy, that would be adorable. 
Uh, my answer is uh, it, you can clone someone's je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> uh, no, we know. We know what you can clone for $100,000, and it is your dog. That does make more sense than it was. Yeah. Um, and people have done it. People have paid for their dogs to be cloned by cloning companies. Um, my general understanding is that it doesn't work very well. Because you, 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 you will get you will get new you will get a new dog or new dogs if you have a lot of money, um, but it it's not yeah the man same. you know what costs a lot less than a cloned dog <laughs> a dog I well like it's not the like is it in the ballpark like is it... I think it probably looks the same but it isn't it doesn't have the same personality so. <laughs> I mean, if you want a, if you want a dog that looks exactly like the dog you had, but is has a completely different personality, that's pretty easy to do for a that's lot true. less money. That's true. Um, look at several dogs. <laughs> look at several dogs. You know, do research on what breed your dog was. Like, imagine this is... having that in your priority list. Like, <laughs> right? All right. I mean, one of the reasons this this I. I got interested in checking out this book and I'm interested in reading it. It's called Dog Inc. Uh, is that this thought actually crossed my mind as my cat uh, who passed away in December was getting old and infirm. I was just like, it'd be so cool if I could just like make more Schusters and just like thaw one out, you know, like just like have a freezer full of like, you know, next to the yeah. emergency lasagna. Just decant. Yeah. Yeah. Just Maybe, oh, that explains a but, lot yeah. about Garfield. <laughs> We just invented miniature horses and Garfield. <laughs> this has been an amazing show. We're going to be rich. <laughs> uh, yeah, and 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 then I realized there would be nothing more depressing than having a cat in my house that looked exactly like my cat, but like wasn't interested in hanging out with me, had a totally uh, different personality. Okay. The rules of cinema would dictate that this would be evil Schuster. <laughs> I believe so. Or Although... that it would be Angel Schuster. <laughs> mm. the, the came rules... back for a reason oh Ooh, yeah oh. like the... to help me fulfill my destiny the rules of cinema clearly state that you, you have to clone it at least twice and then they just get really hilariously stupid yeah that's true <laughs> as established and by that... the might and Keiko, might and, michael keaton might and canonical yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> film treatise <laughs> multiplicity <laughs> um so we have a book here. Um, oh, I'm skipping Tom. You're did, skipping did you want Tom. To ask me? You, you had something you wanted to ask me? <laughs> so, Tom, I have a question for you. So we have a book here called The Complete Care of Baby Animals. I thought you were going to ask me if I had another question. Which is all... That's my follow-up question. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to stand up and okay. just tune you out. <laughs> <laughs> this book by um, C.E. Spaulding... DVM. I don't know what that stands for. Dr. Veterinary, Dr. Veterinary Medicine. Medicine. Thank you. Vampire. And, and Jackie Clay. I mean, which one is more likely, really? Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Brandon. Um, the subtitle is Expert Advice on Raising Orphaned, Adopted, or Newly Bought Kittens, Puppies, Foals, Lambs, Chicks, and More. There is a section in this book that is called Wild Babies. Whoa. And I demand a, a punk band named Wild Babies, but uh, so a, a great You'll portion pay them of this in t-shirts. book. T-shirts? No, sorry. <laughs> a substantial amount of this book seems to be here and available to people, even though it's all couched in like, "Don't do this." 
Um, and most of the Wild Babies chapter is that way. But uh, it's very important to tell the difference between an orphaned fawn and a fawn that has just been hidden for the day. Oh, <laughs> that deer's going to mess you up. By a mother deer who who uh, just doesn't want their kid following them around all day and instead just hides them somewhere. So uh, there is a way that this book recommends to tell between a hidden fawn and an orphaned fawn. Uh and Tom, I want you to identify it. All right. Uh, is it uh, look for uh, saliva or other bodily fluids smeared on the fawn to uh, disguise the fawn's body odor? Ooh. Is it um, to see if the fawn is is drawn to eat more often than a few times a day? Or is it to uh, note where you found the fawn, uh, perhaps by marking a nearby tree or something? And then leave it there open overnight, and then come back and see if it's still there. Uh, I'm going with the um, the precious bodily fluids one. Okay. Um, I think that's a good idea. All right. Well, it turns out fawns have precious little body odor to begin with. Oh. So, do you have another guess? Uh, ha- has the fawn been marked to look like a honey badger in any way? No. Okay. Um, I mean, if you if you leave it overnight, it's just you're not you're not seeing that fawn again. So I'm going with uh, I'm going with the, the you, you you see how often it eats. It's just, just stare gonna, at and watch it. See you, how hungry it is. You leave it overnight. It's just going to get stale. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You're going to find out that's a decoy. A decoy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, uh, fawns already uh, eat just small amounts periodically throughout the day, and that's what you're looking for. And if you try to feed it a meal, then you're probably fucking it up. Yeah, so you, the idea is that you, you if do you see a fawn, location. you 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 can maybe get a fawn tomorrow. But yeah, okay. If, what if, if it was already tomorrow when you got there? See, that's that's a, that's a really good point. The law of induction states clearly. That, yeah, you never get to get your fawn. All right. <laughs> It's uh, Zeno's fawn. <laughs> Speaking of time travel and logical paradoxes, uh, Tom, do you have a follow-up question? Yes, I do. Okay. So when Manimal trans, excuse me, when Manimal <laughs> transforms into Feldspar, <laughs> what kind of special powers do you think that he should have? <sighs> I, <laughs> it's, the old, it's, it's the only question I've got written down. Okay. If someone else has uh, a different question. My guess is that it can be found in trace amounts near quarries. That is correct. Manorol. Um, <laughs> Manorol leaves a, a trail of yeast wherever he goes. Uh, that that would be that 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 would be his sidekick, the fun guy. Right. <laughs> Hold on. That are was yeast's fun guy. No. I've, I've evidently, at least Wikipedia says they're fun what yeast yeah. are yeast are fun guy. Yeah. 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 No. What? That's what I heard. I refuse to accept this. All right. Uh, Turn off the podcast. <laughs> um, this is like this is like a stealth question and nobody asked it and we all answered wrong. Yeah. Well, Kristen no, got it right. No, no, you, I, no, because let me tell you why people usually get antifungal medications. Oh. Oh. <laughs> because they hate bread. <laughs> because they that hate bread. That makes sense. Bread. Oh wow! It's not a vegetable. It's not a eukaryote. No one knows what bread is. I have 
One question, one statement remaining on my list. <laughs> okay. Statement is that I went into the library and started searching for cute animals in the card catalog. One of the things I turned up, which I will send on to you, Mike. Okay. And you have to incorporate it. Thank you in advance. It was a digital album that can be uh, accessed streaming through the Hoopla app. It is from 1993. Uh-huh. It is by a band called Baby Animals. Okay. Mm-hmm. The name of the album is Shaved and Dangerous. <laughs> I feel like that was the album of the month at some point when I was in Columbia House when I was a teenager. Like, this does sound familiar to yeah. me. I, I think I managed to return my card that month. Ago, so I've never, <laughs> I've never heard this album. It's all been leading up to this, Kristen. <laughs> I'm going to see if this is in the index of the complete care of baby animals. <laughs> I feel like it would probably be pretty dangerous to shave yeah. most baby animals. Especially shave, parentheses, ones. dangerous. Yeah, dangerous for you and dangerous for them. I got nothing. All right, so I want to talk about the origins of animal, vegetable, and mineral life. Um, there are hypotheses that there are some places in the solar system where life might exist. Uh, might have existed at one point on Mars if there was liquid water there. Uh, but there are two Jovian moons that present strong cases for possible life. One of them is covered in frozen water and probably has liquid water beneath its icy surface. Which moon is it? Oh my god. There's so many. There's there so many. many. It's not Titan. Titan's the methane one. That's yeah, right. okay. Titan also has a pretty strong case, but that's not this one. Oh, I used to know that. I made this question mostly to frustrate nerds. Yeah, I'm going to say Ganymede, which is probably around Saturn. I'm going to say Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer. <laughs> Any guesses, Kristen? Uh, I'm going to say Eo, because that is the only moon that I remember right now. Io is the answer to the next question. What? But this one is Europa. Oh, All these worlds are But yours. we can't land there. Except... We haven't managed to yet. Uh Io is um, also a strong possibility for life because it is one of the most mechanically active bodies in the solar system. It has lava and magma and uh, a lot of geothermal things happening, even though its surface is actually quite cold. Um, But because of gravitational flexing and radioactive decay at its rocky core, it has like a liquid mantle. So it's a cream egg. Yeah. why, why, Why is that good for maybe it having life? Um, because it has a temperature <laughs> that is above freezing in oh, okay. some parts of it. Okay. Mm. Uh, it would have to, probably not water-based life, uh, which is also the case um, with, with Titan. Exciting. Yeah. But there are there are other solvent compounds that are liquid at the right temperatures that could interact with amino acids. Hmm. Such as cream. I broke the no internet during the show rule, and Ganymede is around Jupiter. But that's all. That just It makes sense. He was, he was Jupiter's cupbearer. Whoa. In mythology. He's the Aquarius of Jupiter. Yeah. Bre- Brendan, how do you know things? <laughs> There's just so... Because I took five fucking years of Latin in high school. <laughs> I, <sighs> I regret to tell you. That doesn't explain Fordite. <laughs> doesn't explain 1.8 meters either. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the, you know what I'm saying. I don't know. That's, that's some Zeus shit right there. Taking yes. the fifth on that one. <laughs> Kristen, do you have another? I uh, no. Oh, I have one animal question, one vegetable question, and one mineral question. It's reasonable. 
You covered it. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> well, uh, okay. I'm going to, and this might be a thing that we do going forward. Kristen, I'm going to ask you to uh, give us our final scores. Hmm. Um, 1.8 for Brendan. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> However, note that it's unitless. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Ooh. That's, that's not worse than Manoral, so. Tom, <laughs> uh, um, I think I'm going to get you a quartzite trophy. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Non-numeric. <laughs> <laughs> a Manoral trophy. Oh. It's going to be huge. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to see what they have at the Goodwill. <laughs> or at the, at the gemstone place. I don't know. I don't know where you get a quartzite trophy. Um, I go buy the next bag of Doritos. That's oh. not really points, but I just, you know. Thank you. No, it's. I see what you did, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to Think Again, my friend. Uh, the show is produced by... I think we all get producer credits at this point. Um, except maybe me. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, you can be associate producer. I'll be an associate producer. Yeah, I That mean, actually sounds like a little bit more weighty in some ways. A little bit. I mean, this is... These are yeah, true... to associate with us. Okay. <laughs> producer. I'm the executive producer. <laughs> See, it's true that we all produce the show, but that doesn't give me anything to say at the end. So I'm going to continue to say that it's produced by Kristen McCurdy and myself. Yay! Uh, with help from Brandon Atkins and... Uh, Mr. Tom Anderson is, um, is, uh, he's the glue that holds the team together. Oh, jeez. And, uh, yeah, we're at thinkagainmyfriend.show. If you, uh, became unaware of that somehow, uh, tell your friends and be listening for us in the future. And don't forget, dolphins can shoot sound beams at each other's dicks. I mean, they can shoot sound beams wherever they want. Like, but it, they. But can... they want to shoot them at each other's dicks. And it feels good, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. They... That's a head fuck. They... Yeah. <laughs> Masturbatory devices are no longer what separates us from the animals. <laughs> it's just... Neither is getting high. Neither is getting high because pufferfish <laughs> are the bongs fish. of the sea. Okay. Yeah. I'm hoping the outro music is playing this over is, it. This is going to totally transform my next visit to a tiki restaurant. <laughs> <sighs> and I hope the outro music is baby animals. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not getting banned from iTunes again. Okay. What if you only play like the six seconds or whatever of it? I do it. Okay. Did we get banned? Yeah. Mm. Okay, bye everyone. our theme contains elements from the album waves of energy by synthetic synergy our show is copyright 2017 all rights reserved